Welcome back to Full Time with Meg Linehan. I'm Meg. You are listening to a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. We have survived the NWSL Championship, the NWSL season as a whole. The work isn't ending, but we we made it through the season at least. Uh, but one of the winning players is here to discuss it all. We've got Janine Becky Fresh off that win with Portland Thorns FC and one of the many folks in the organization with the Canadian representation. But we're going to discuss everything about the big game, the celebrations, what the offseason looks like, naps, right? But best of all, get ready for some Grey's Anatomy discussion at the end here. Janine was very good about not getting into spoilers. Same here. So if you haven't watched, maybe we'll convince you that you need to experience the Shonda of it all. Okay, before we get to the rest of today's episode, as always, to show your support of full-time, plus get all of our women's soccer coverage, our women's basketball coverage, our women's hockey coverage, everything else The Athletic has to offer on our site and on our app, you can subscribe right now at theathletic.com slash full-time. It's always one of our very best deals. News. There's so much news to dig through. So let's just get right into it. I honestly, I listed eight things off the top of my head for things that you needed to know about this past week. And I feel like it is scratching the surface of everything that happened because the NWSL and women's soccer in general have been on a speed run since the championship ended. But let's start with the championship. Portland Thorns FC defeated Kansas City Current in that game 2-0 thanks to an early Sophia Smith goal, then a Kansas City own goal in the second half. A great game, a great championship week in D.C. One of the best pieces of news to go along with it, 915,000 viewers for the championship match, despite the game being up against the World Series and college football. Turns out putting games on broadcast television in prime time works. Who knew? Actually, Ally was a big part of that. And at the championship, Ally's CMO, Andrea Bremer, announced that the company is re-upping their deal with the NWSL for another five years. She spoke to The Athletic about that decision, all of the other specific details of the renewal, including one big piece that is a dedicated media buy as part of the league's next media rights deal. That is big, to say the least. So that link will be in the show notes for you if you have not read that story yet. Now, if you didn't watch the Thorns rally once they got back to Providence Park, you missed what I would call a rapidly devolving but hilarious rally. But the big news coming out of it was that free agent Christine Sinclair, the GOAT, is back with the Thorns for her 11th season, allowing the team to use their option for 2023. You know what? Just just listen to it for yourself, because what an announcement this is. Earmuffs, kids. I've been... uh... I've been told I'm not allowed to swear, so... um, um, So I'm announcing it here. I'll be back next year. to win a fourth one of those and and fuck Seattle. Megan Rapino and or Jess Fishlock, we await your response, I suppose. All right. Juan Carlos Amoros has been officially announced as the new head coach of Gotham FC, signing a three-year deal to take over that role for the club coming out of Houston Dash. Now, he's not the only hire announced this week, with the Washington Spirit coming in hot with their announcement of Don Scott as the club's first ever director of performance medical and innovation of course if you are a u.s women's national team fan you know that name and what she has done for the u.s women's national team program she'll be working to build out the team's new performance department which includes a number of new staff mana shim also announced her own career news this week she will be serving as chair of u.s soccer's task force for participant safety now i want to actually just give you her whole statement so bear with me as i read this three paragraph statement 
I've accepted a job as chair of the new participant safety task force at U.S. Soccer because there's still so much that needs to be done when it comes to changing the culture of soccer in this country. I love the sport and I believe that we have an opportunity in this moment to protect players and set a new standard for all sports. We don't have any time to waste. Sally Yates' report made it clear that for far too long, leaders across the soccer ecosystem, including at U.S. Soccer, have not taken responsibility for protecting players. But I believe in the capacity for change. As leader of the task force, I am committed to ensuring not only that the Yates' recommendations are implemented, but that we push beyond them. We need to find the root causes of our sport's systemic failures and take action at every level from the youth game to the professional game. I'm confident that in Cindy and JT, aka Cindy Parlacone and JT Batson, U.S. soccer has the leadership that will be essential to supporting my work, and we've already begun the process of identifying stakeholders from every level of soccer to be part of this task force. I'm deeply appreciative of the cooperation and willingness to do the hard work that we've already seen from leaders across soccer, including at the NWCL and NWCL Players Association. I'm honored to play a leadership role as we move forward. Also on this front, Representative Deborah Ross from North Carolina, too, and 43 other legislators signed an open letter to U.S. Soccer urging them to participate in the NWCL and NWCL Players Association joint investigation. That's a follow-up to last year's open letter in the wake of all of the various investigative reports from me, Molly Hensel-Clancy at The Post, asking them for the investigation that inevitably turned into both the Yates report and this joint investigation. Now, I've got a full story up on this. I actually talked to Representative Ross. Uh, U.S. Soccer President Cindy Parlocone did reply to point out much of what the Federation has already been up to, including the two task forces, Participant Safety Hub, and promised that they were in contact with the NWCL and NWCL PA. According to a source familiar with the investigation, these conversations have been encouraging, but the same time, it's also pretty clear that there is frustration on the league side as documents have been requested as far back as January 2022, and the joint investigation is still waiting. All right, let's flip over to the U.S. women's national team. The roster for the two upcoming games against Germany is in. The big news here, of course, A.D. French is back in the goalkeeping pool. And during his media call, there were plenty of injury updates from Flacco Andonovsky, head coach, on many key players. But first... Here's the roster. All right, you already know about Franch, but she's joined by Casey Murphy and Alyssa Nayer as goalkeepers. For defenders, we've got Alana Cook, Crystal Dunn, Emily Fox, Naomi Gurma, Sophia Huerta, Haley Mace, and Becky Sauerbrunn. In the midfield, Sam Coffey is back, Lindsey Horan, Taylor Korniak, Rose Lavelle, Christy Mewis, Ashley Sanchez, and Andy Sullivan. For forwards, Ashley Hatch, Alex Morgan, Mal Pugh, Megan Rapino, Trinity Rodman, Sophia Smith, and Alyssa Thompson, our 17-year-old, is back in the mix. All right, let's get back into the injury updates. Obviously, there's still a pretty lengthy list here. Katerina Macario is still at the FIFA Rehab Center in Qatar. Uh, he, Vlako Andonovsky said, we do have some idea based on how the progress is going, and if she doesn't have any setbacks, we will see Kat come back on the field in late February. Sofia Huerta is now off her restrictions of minutes and is available for full 90-minute games. Crystal Dunn also has more available minutes. Obviously, we saw her come into the NWL Championship match this past weekend. Abby Dahlkemper needs another surgery after three consecutive injuries back-to-back-to-back and is unavailable. Tierna Davidson is expected to be fully training by mid-November, so only a matter of weeks now, and she will be available for the January U.S. Women's National Team roster. More on that in a minute. Casey Kruger, Kelly O'Hara, and Lynn Williams are all expected to also be available for selection in January. Kristen Press has had a, quote, slight setback, but is expected to be just behind Macario in her recovery, so that means maybe February, perhaps March. And the big one, Andonovsky said the team wants Julie Ertz, who gave birth in August, to take her time getting back. Here's that quote. This is time for Julie to enjoy her time as a family, and when the time comes, if she's prepared and she's anywhere near her best, I know this team will welcome her back. Okay, so let's talk about January, because now we can finally, you know, we've got these two Germany games, of course, but 
it is time to start thinking about 2023 for the U.S. Women's National Team, which is scary. My first meeting back from the uh, from the championship was about travel to New Zealand. So just like in 2019, they will be making a trip to New Zealand to start their preparations back over to the host country. Now, which honestly, considering the time difference, but also the youth on the team that will be experiencing their first major tournament, this feels like the right call. So the U.S. Women's National Team will head to New Zealand for a training camp and then a pair of friendlies against that host nation. They will train for six days and then they're going to play the Ferns in Wellington, aka one of their World Cup venues. I'm just going to give you these game times in Eastern time because trying to wrap your head around this time difference makes my head hurt and I just literally need to someone to give me times because I'm incapable of doing it unless I Google it. So the first one in Wellington will be at 10 p.m. Eastern on January 17th here in the U.S. Then the two teams will head to Auckland for match two. That one is at 10 p.m. Eastern on January 20th. Federation hasn't actually given us specifics on how we're going to be watching these games with a new broadcast partner coming in at the start of 2023. That's Warner Brothers Discovery Sports. So stay tuned. No pun intended on that front. Janine Becky made her turn to the NWSL this season, heading to Portland after her time with Manchester City in the WSL over in England. And it wasn't exactly a bad return either, ending up in Portland and then winning a championship for her first NWSL season back. One of my favorite parts of the championship event was spotting her on the field immediately after the final whistle and all of the streamers and the stage and everything and her deciding that we were going to take a selfie with her championship medal right then and there. We had plenty to talk about from Portland to Canada to Seattle Grace Hospital or I guess now it's Grace Sloan Memorial Hospital. I'm not caught up, but let's get right into it. All right, let's, I mean, let's start with the championship. We have both survived the NWSL championship week. Um, it was, I, I have never honestly experienced an NWSL championship like the one that we got last week that was bigger and better. And just, I mean, the fan zone outside, the the fireworks. Um, I mean, from your vantage point, you know, I feel like I was talking with all the players about this, honestly, when you're in the championship, you don't get to experience the full championship vibe. It is a different, <laughs> you're not, you're not out at the parties the night before. So it is a very different approach, but just in terms of your experience at the NWSL championship, like what, what did you like? What did you find challenging? I think to start, it's, it's incredible. It's what the game deserves. I'm glad to hear from someone that got to experience all of it, that it was, you know, the best and biggest that you'd been at that's super encouraging to hear as a player, because obviously, like you said, we're kind of protected from all of it. Um, you know, due to social media, we get to see all of it, which is great. Um, but you know, rest and preparation are the key for us. So I think we felt it. I think what's strange about the NWSL is you kind of go through the season. And then for us, because we had a buy in the quarterfinal, it was like the semifinal and final came like so abruptly. And with the international break, right before the playoffs, started it was just kind of a weird sensation of all of a sudden here's the final and here we are and it's this big deal which you wouldn't want it any other way um but yeah I think it was just in a it was an amazing event to take part in and to be a player on one of the teams that was competing it just felt really special and it felt it felt like the occasion that it was and I think that that's what's so great about where women's football is at and where the NWSL is at and I thought you know it was a great location you know, there's was, there was signage everywhere. There was excitement everywhere. You thought, saw, you know, we saw tons of Thorns gear everywhere around where we were staying. Um, and then, yeah, like just even to see the events that took place before the actual game day, um, it just felt like here we are kind of arriving at this place where this is what it should be like every year. Yeah, I mean, you know, walking through the, the fan zone before the game, I mean, it, it is kind of funny that we're being so like, pleased by something as small and as simple as a merchandise truck with merchandise from every single team in the league. Like we're, we're getting there, right? Like (laughs) the things are getting better, but what Mm -hmm. I think I was really struck by the entire week is how central the game felt. You know, we're not really going to dig into it too much, but like, obviously there is a lot of stuff happening off the field this season, but the game felt so central. The players felt so central to everything um, you know, from media day to all of the events around it, but then even in the fan zone with all of the original players getting their like nice varsity jackets, right? Like there was a sense of, okay, we've got to maybe reframe this a little bit and think about 
what should be at the heart of this? And it's the game and the players. And for me, I think that came through in a way where, you know, I've been at, at every single NWSL championship minus the 2014 one. So I have been at the, okay, oh my God, we all got to scramble and go to <laughs> Western New York Flash in 2013. And, you know, I've experienced the neutral site shift. And this, I think, is kind of the intent of what that neutral site is supposed to be about, that we can actually plan and all get together as a group. And yeah, I mean, I just, I think the, you know, even inside that stadium, I think Audi Field is a great place to have a game, but it felt big. And I'm just wondering what your experience of the crowd was like, because I mean, from like minute one, I was just like, this building is so loud. <laughs> yeah, I think the one thing that I noticed the most because I started the game on the bench was the just pure amount of people that were in front of the bench for like the walkout and the anthem and the starting 11 pictures. And it was kind of like something I've never experienced, even on the international stage was just like, this massive crowd of people trying to get their shot and you know, the TV <laughs> cameras and the photographers and it was just like, it was a little bit overwhelming as a player. Um, Cause you're kind of just like, get out of the way. The, game, the game's about to start. Um, but no, I like, it was loud. Uh, it was very much like both teams had a big number of supporters there. It was amazing to see both teams supporters groups actually very clearly in the stands on opposite sides of the field and just kind of felt like this event where it was kind of like you said, like we've arrived, like we're, we're, we're getting there. And yeah, to see kind of everything that's come out since then, you know, the viewership numbers is incredible competing with, you know, Wisconsin, is it, was it Wisconsin? No, it was Michigan, uh, Michigan, Michigan, State. Michigan State, yeah. which is like <laughs> one of the biggest games in college football. And then yeah. the world series. And it's like, we're still getting close to a million people watching this game. Um, and then I think just with everything that's happened off the field this year, it just felt like exactly what you said. They just kind of tuned it all out. Everyone tuned it all out. We had to be prepared for media day to, you know, ask, be asked questions about that. And to be honest, like there wasn't anything. And it was just really refreshing, I think, as a player to, to just not have to talk about that anymore and just really be focused on what an incredible opportunity and event was in front of us. And, um, and it, was, it was all about that. It wasn't even anything like super tactical. It was just like what is this like? How is the team feeling? Um, you know, all those kinds of things, such a great season. And it just felt like such a nice way to end the season in every mm -hmm. realm. And then to see so many players from all across the league come out and take part in the event as well. Um, I think it was just kind of the perfect way to wrap up a season of so much chaos. Um, yeah. And I thought it was really well done. Yeah. I mean, I, I think all of us in the, the kind of media pocket, we're looking at each other like, okay, so we're all physically exhausted, but also I think, <laughs> It did feel kind of like spiritual, like my my mental, spiritual, emotional battery was very like rejuvenated after the end of the week. Like I got home and I was like, I'm taking a nap. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> um, but there <laughs> there was kind of the sense of like, oh, right. These are because, you know, having been at the championship last year, which obviously was in the wake of my own reporting and everybody else's reporting and then knowing what happened kind of that Monday after, um, I think everybody felt kind of like, oh, we like it's not the same. And this year felt like just, I think so reassuring in so many ways in terms of like, Oh, this is what we need to get us through. Not just the off season, but everything that's going to be happening in this off season. And, mm -hmm. and for us to, you know, go home, get back to work, know, okay, we've got all of this stuff ahead. So yeah, I think to your point, like it, it really was, I do want to, I want to talk to you about the game though, because obviously it, we all media day, I feel like we were talking about early goals and late goals in these playoffs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is, we got the early goal and the early goal was what decided. So when you're watching the first, you know, five minutes of the championship, like, were you expecting that? <laughs> first of all, no. And second of all, like, what was your, <laughs> what was your kind of read of that, that play getting set up in real time? I think when you kind of take a, zoomed out view of the game it was a pretty chaotic game and I think you know credit to Kansas City for the season that they had and the incredible turnaround that they had to come be in the championship game and some incredible players on that team and I think they have a really unique style of play in that they kind of want to, it to be chaotic mm -hmm. and so they definitely had that impact from minute one and I thought I thought in the first half we kind of rode the wave a little bit we we weathered the storm and there were some good bits of play and I think that that's what the beginning of that first goal was. You know, it was build up from the back. It was kind of build up directly into the midfield and then a ball yeah. through. And 
Um, you know, unfortunately for the Kansas City defender, don't think that it was like the best decision. But when you have a player like Sophia Smith on on your tail chasing a ball down, um, you have to make those decisions very, very quickly. So, um, you know, it was kind of just such an incredible, again, end to the story with her scoring after the season that she had. And I think she scored and we all looked at the clock and we were like, whoa, like, I think for me, I was hoping that it would kind of bring the chaos of the game down and everyone could just like take a breath and chill, but it ended up being so chaotic for the rest of that first half. And I think for me on the sideline, it never really felt like it was in doubt. Uh, I thought everyone that was on the field was super solid. Our back line was solid as ever as they've been all season. And obviously when you have a player like Bella Bigsby in the goal, you don't really worry that there's going to be much that gets past her. So I think we went into the game with a very strong mindset of confidence and that we knew it was going to be all about how we played our game and how Mm -hmm. we tried to not allow them to, you know, put their chaos onto us. And and in a game like that, in a a final, you can never really know what's going to happen. So the early goal was definitely massive for us. And then you kind of look at the semifinals and you see we got a goal scored on us really early. And so it's just like this league is so funny to me because – it's just one of those leagues where on any given occasion, any team can do anything. And then you bring it into a final and you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen in this game? Uh, and <laughs> yeah. I was sitting next to Emily Menges on my left and Olivia Moultrie on my right, two extremely different people. And just to, like have the funny, like being on the bench on this team is a riot. It, we have so much fun. Um, and to have the energy and the enthusiasm. And then I have Crystal Dunn behind me with all her comments. And I'm like, this is incredible. I should have a microphone on me right now. Um, Seriously. Like, I think that we just need like bench watch for, I, they are, I think they, they filmed kind of our journey, the Portland video team. And they have to have some really funny moments. Cause there were a few moments in the final where I, did or said something or had a reaction and I realized that the camera was right there and I was like, that's going to make for some good content later. So we'll have to see what they come up with, but I can only imagine that was quite the, quite the fun uh, video editing to, yeah. to do, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's an incredible team and exciting team. And um, yeah, I think after we scored that first goal so early on, it was, it was in our control from there. I do want to, I want to ask you about the bench reactions to Sophia Smith's goal celebration, because in the press box, there was this immediately like, oh shit, like, <laughs> like we're yeah. not really supposed to be reacting, but she went for the shrug and we were all like, oh, oh, it's serious. So I'm going to be honest. We were going crazy that I didn't even see the celebration until like the pictures came out after the game. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so iconic. And she, she's the type of person like, she doesn't talk about that kind of stuff. Like she's so chill. She never talks about goals that she's scored. She's just like a young, really talented soccer player who enjoys playing soccer. Like it's, it's so refreshing, but then you see her, you know, do a celebration like that. And it's kind of like, you know what? You deserve that. You deserve to do something like that. So um, I'm so glad that those amazing pictures are captured, but we were going so nuts on the bench. I think when she did it, we were all trying to get down the stairs and like get over to the sideline. We're like jumping all over each other and screaming and pretty sure I got smacked in the face. And then you're <laughs> high-fiving everywhere and it's pure chaos, but in the best way. And we've, uh, we've had so many moments this season where celebrations are just like, I'll probably remember so many of them, you know, like I was on the bench when Rocky scored in the semifinal. Mm-hmm. And then thankfully I was on the field when Crystal scored and it was just like, madness I think Becky told me it smacked her in the face after Crystal's goal and I was like I'm so sorry I didn't mean to do that it's nothing personal um but yeah Just I mean exuberance getting to us in the moment exactly, exactly. How, you know those are the type yeah. of things you remember you know when when all is said and done you don't there's so many things you don't remember that people think or people bring up and you're like I don't even remember that happening but um yeah the celebrations are definitely one of them all right so let's skip to you entering the game obviously you know it's it's you're not unused to like coming into a game as a substitute but like coming into that sort of match where there is you know like I remember Crystal coming in right and there is kind of this like every sub I think had a lot more weight in this one because it any final is like a chess match Mm -hmm. so there is kind of the sense of like every single move a coach makes is going to be viewed with a lot more like okay does this is this making sense so what is it like for you to step in to a final knowing okay we've got this lead we've got to preserve this lead. What was, you know, what were the instructions given to you heading into the match? Yeah, I think like it's definitely something I learned over the course of the season. Um, It's a different role than I've played in the past. You know, I definitely see myself as someone as a starter. And I think I've had the perspective of, of coming into games and being more of a game changer this year, you know, due to a lot of reasons, but 
uh, I've been grateful for that perspective. And, and especially in the last two games, you know, it's two very different situations to go into, right? Like the semifinal, we're tied, the game's on the mm-hmm. line, you're expected to go in and, you know, like score and make a difference. And thankfully, you know, Crystal and I got to have a big impact on that game. And that's something that I'll, that's one game that I'll remember for a very, very long time was the semifinal. And then, you know, the final comes around and by the time, I think I was warming up when we scored our second goal. And at that point, you know, I had felt after we scored the first goal that we were really in control of the game. So I think the messaging from the sideline was like, you know what to do. You've been here before. Like I have the experience to know how to go into games like that, but you never really know what to expect till you get on the field and you've played, you know, the first couple of minutes and, and you get your feet wet. Um, so for me, my mindset was, I want to keep the ball. I want to, you know, if I get my chance, I'll go for it, but be smart, be conservative. Um, you know, don't, make any hasty decisions that will give them any opportunity to get back into this game. And a 2-0 scoreline is a really scary, scary scoreline to be at, at any, in any game. And especially a final, you know, they get one goal and all the momentum is mm-hmm. in their favor and it looks very different after that. But I think the team was in such a rhythm at that point too, of controlling the game. Um, you know, I thought Natu was amazing on the right side, completely shutting down all of their attacks. So to play with a fullback like that, to come into a game, with someone who's in such a, such a groove and a rhythm, my job, you know, I was like, keep encouraging, saying all the right things. So it was a, it was a really enjoyable game to come into. And there were a few times the game completely opened up and I was like, Whoa, I have so much more space than I thought. Um, yeah. And I've watched, I've watched my, however many minutes I played back and, you know, you always see those things and you're like, Oh, it's so much more room, keep dribbling, <laughs> but it never feels like that in the moment. Right. Like, Everyone's yeah. so close to me. They're going to kick the ball away. <laughs> Um, so it, yeah, it was super enjoyable and it's always really fun to be on the field when those kind of games end, because I think I, I had the ball in my hands and I threw it like as high as I could. Um, (laughs) don't know why, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was definitely a very memorable experience. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, I mean, I I do want to talk about the celebration part because I think it's always one of the best moments of the year when final whistle, you get everyone freaking out. We're all like scrambling down from the press box to get down to the field for the trophy ceremony. But I did have a question for you because having been at these things before, one of my favorite parts is like the very small stage that they inevitably seem to have where everybody's doing this and trying to like, what is it like to be on that stage when you're like, okay, we got to be really like, we want to do the trophy. (laughs) It's funny because you all walk up there one at a time, right? And then you're like lining up yeah. and everyone wants to be in the middle because they want to be close to the trophy. <laughs> and then you're thinking about, no, no one's going to be able to see me in this picture. Um, but no, it's it's so fun. I've been so lucky in my career to be able to be on a stage celebrating a trophy a few times now. Um, and every, every experience is different, but there's similarities to all of them. The stages are never well built. <laughs> I think we, at one point we were jumping on it and we were like, everyone stop, this thing is going to (laughs) break. And so it's just like, they're they're just funny moments. Everyone's so happy. It's just complete elation and joy and um, just, yeah, just like a perfect end to a season that was such a roller coaster for us. Mm -hmm. And to look around and be part of that team, like the team from this year that endured so much and then to have never had it penetrate our locker room. Like, this is probably, I mean, I've only been here for less than a year. Some of these people I have known for less than a year. Some of these people I've looked in on and been in awe of for very many years and so grateful that I get to be their teammates now and see, you know, their their actions day to day. So when you're on this tiny stage so close to each other, super happy, it's kind of like all those things come rushing back to you. And it's like, it's a feeling unlike any other. And that's why it's so addicting. Like, it's just such an addicting feeling to go after. Um, and if anything, it just makes me more motivated to be on that stage so many more times. But, and then you have, you know, 
there's not enough words to be said for, you know, Christine and having to, to share this, getting the privilege to share this moment with her um, as somebody who I've known for so long now and uh, no one more deserving. And of course, what does she do? She pulls Mangas and Becky up there to do the, the trophy lift with her. And <clears throat> it was just like a, a compilation of very pure, joyful moments. Yeah, I mean, I saw you on the field after taking, you know, there's a Canadian flag immediately <laughs> floating around. Sink is wrapped in it, going up into the riveter section, coming back down. There's the photo of the two of you. There's the photo with Rian and, and KK, obviously. I mean, like, there is a, a giant Canadian <laughs> influence on what we, you know, little Canada, uh, Portland Thorns at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but what has it been like for you to, to be able to have I did. I will say one of my favorite parts of the post game press conference with Rian was her last question was like, "Would you want to be head of Canada Soccer? Like, how does that sound to you?" And she was like, "Terrible." <laughs> <laughs> not a not a surprise at all coming from her, to be honest. No, I think we've been nicknamed like Portlanda or something like yeah. that. It's been it's been really incredible. I think it, it's definitely been a challenge when you bring, you know, people together that have such strong relationships formed before you walk into an environment of performance. There's definitely challenges that come with it. And, and we've had some really difficult conversations over the course of the year. I have so much respect for, for Rian and Karina and especially the position that both of them have been put in this year mm-hmm. uh, on top of Rian coming into her first really big coaching role and you know, she'll all day not take the credit, but what an incredible job she's done managing this team. It's so difficult to manage a, a group of personalities like this, and and you can never make anyone everyone happy, right? And when you have a competitive team like ours, it makes her job even more difficult. So to be able to see how she's managed kind of, you know, her relationship with me and her friendship with Karina and her friendship with Sink and, and vice versa, all of us have kind of had to to figure that out. And it's definitely been that it's been a learning curve for sure. There have Mm -hmm. been things done absolutely right. And and some decisions maybe that people would choose to do differently if they had their chance again. But, you know, I've, I've learned so much about myself this year. Um, I've been really, really challenged in, in my role and my relationships and my career. And, you know, I could countless things that I've learned this season, but what an incredible thing to be able to go after, you know, and win a championship with people that you have such great relationship with and that, um, have been a part of my career for so long. And for the three of them, you know, they've gone through hell and back together um, on the national team and, and and now going through what they went through this season. So to be able to celebrate with, you know, the Canadian flag that we stole from one of our uh, supporters, whoever's flag that is, I'm so sorry. I think it was like beer drenched and completely like that's how it should be celebrated in that's how it room. should be i'm actually we'll i want to get you a new flag whoever you are <laughs> what uh, you really have to do is sign that one and then send it on back like that's really the move I all right i want to really put the microphone do down because i want to literally bring in a photo i want to talk oh about God. the the post game because we were talking about olivia moultrie before i want to show you let's see I if i just, just saw this, this. Oh, yeah i just saw this literally <laughs> It's Olivia amazing. Moultrie in the corner of all these locker room shots looking very like, okay, like I don't terrified. know. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> like terrified and mortified and absolutely ruined. What? Uh, it's just, it's, she's incredible. I mean, 17 years old, such a good player. Just, just a 17 year old playing soccer, <laughs> like doing her homework. It's just, it's just crazy. I'm 11 years older than her, which makes me feel really old, but um. No, it's been. Worry, it's been I have great a good. To... I have a good Olivia Moultrie story where she emailed me once, and it was addressed to Miss Linehan, and I was like, "Olivia, no, <laughs> <laughs> Olivia, no, no, please, please, no." That doesn't surprise me. No, she's she's great. I think it's um yeah to her to be in the the corner of those those pictures. I'm like, oh my gosh, what does this say about us as as role models for her? But uh, makes for some really great photos. Um. No, she's she's incredible. What a talent. She's going to be massive for us. Um, however long she decides to stay in Portland, she could go anywhere. She could ride her ticket anywhere she wants to go. So I'm excited to see how her career pans out. But she's she's had some incredible moments for us this year. I remember uh, during the qualifying when we were all away, and she scored yeah. an absolute banger against Gotham, I think it was. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Or, yep. yeah, I can't remember, but yeah. I was watching the game and I remember, like, outwardly shouting, like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, 
we just, we have such an incredible, exciting team. Um, and it's taken literally, it sounds so cliche, but it's taken every single person on the roster this season. Somebody, everybody on the team has had a big moment at some point in the season. And there's not a lot of teams that can say that they've used their squad like we have, but it's the reason why we've been so successful. All right. So we've got the celebration at, at Providence Park coming up. Um, I mean, it's what's funny is I keep talking to players and I'm just like, the season is over, but you you still have games. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's you get like a nice little break, but there's still some games to play for the tail end of the year. But I want to ask you about after that, like vacation off season like some napping right yes yes um i actually i just uh went public yesterday i'm not participating in our camp in brazil so it's actually my off season which okay it's it's super important actually to talk about i've had i've been in season for almost 15 months and coming from the wsl and that's you know consequently taken taken a big toll on my my physical fatigue and my, you know, my mental well-being has, has been up and down for, for the season, understandably. And I've been in such an incredible environment that's helped me massively with that. And, um, you know, a couple months ago when I brought it up to Bev that I potentially wanted to take a break after the season, depending on how it ended, she was all for it, you know, and it makes it, it's just so incredible to have a coach who's so open and so willing to, to listen to players. And this is just, it's so key I don't think I can emphasize enough how important it is that people recognize when they need a break. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so important for the, lo- the longevity of our careers. And, um, you know, I want to be in the best place possible come next, next summer for the World Cup. And we both decided, you know, I'm going to take a break from this camp and I'm going to come back for the next window and be, you know, such a better version of myself than this fatigued, burnt out <laughs> um, form of myself right now. So to answer well, your question, I've, there has been a lot of napping already. And good, there will good. Continue to be I love a lot that. Very pro nap. I mean, but I, I do think that that's like Canada, especially it feels like has done a lot of travel. Like, I mean, I remember reading the FIFA report about like the travel and, and all of that part of it. Sorry. Also the, I mean, back in Vermont, there are F-35s in Vermont, which really are a fun <laughs> lifestyle nice nice oh yeah like it's just full-on top gun twice a day in vermont oh for gosh. no reason whatsoever um but that there there is a huge amount of travel and and wear and tear being put on bodies and that we have not really paid as much attention to that as we could and you know thinking about canada's draw in the world cup too and the amount of travel that the team is going to have to go through during the group stage especially like that is kind of a factor that we We've got to put some more focus on and make sure that that health and safety is, you know, number one in the conversation again. It's almost like our staff knew that we were going to get that draw and have to go five hours across the country. I mean, that's one thing that I'll say about our staff. We are always prepared and we always do, you know, the hard things early on so that we're used to it. And as much as it was so difficult to travel to Australia in one of the shortest windows of the year, um, to be able to have done that and perform the way that we did and get two really big results it was a huge confidence booster for us. But yeah, I think, don't think you can discount, you get used to it after a certain amount of time, the travel, but the amount of travel that we have done this year has been more than ever um, after a long qualifying tournament. And then we're right back in season. And then we have, you know, two really, really long trips. And then the team's going back on another long trip. Yeah. Um, so it's it's difficult. I know everyone's really looking forward to a break, but at the same time, everyone's so focused on being ready for next summer. And, and that looks different for everyone, right? Like some people might need, you know, there's there's new faces around that are trying to get their spot on the team. I've been lucky enough to be such a consistent face in the group that, um, you know, I don't necessarily worry about that. And that's such a privilege for me. And I'm so grateful to be in that position. And I really look forward to what our roster is going to be next year. It's such an exciting group. It's such an exciting time to be a part of soccer in Canada. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy that it's, it's crazy that the men's world cup is this month. It's I know. crazy that the women's world cup is less than a year away. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, going to be a really, really great year of soccer. Yeah. I mean, my first meeting back from Washington DC was legitimately trying to start figuring out our travel planning for the world cup. And I was just like, Ooh, all right, here we go. It never ends. It never <laughs> here ends. we go. And here we go. Getting to that part of the yeah. world is, not yeah, it's going to be an adventure. It's going to be an yeah. adventure. Um, and it will be memorable. Yeah, no, 100%. And I I am um, I mean, I think one of the really fun things, I went up to the 2015 World Cup in Canada up in Montreal. I mean, it's just 
you know, I think to the same point about the championship, like when women's soccer, women's football fans all travel to the same spot, there's just like something truly magical about these events. France 2019 was just such a fun and, you know, obviously chaotic vibe because also trying to get around the country was always a very interesting experience. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just like there, these are the things that I think we all kind of wait for and can't and Australia, New Zealand, I think is just going to be it's been on everybody's calendar for so long and it's just going to be really, really exciting. But I do. It's interesting to hear you say that about like kind of feeling magical because as a player, you know, I speak for myself when I say I definitely feel that there's something about the women's soccer community that's just a bit different than everything else. Um, And it's maybe because of everything we've gone through, uh, especially over the last couple of years, but whatever it is, for whatever reason, it's super special. And it seems to be, really bottled around these these big events like this past weekend and um you know next summer is going to be massive even around the draw it was so great to see Mm -hmm. all of the excitement around that all of the media attention and yeah I mean it's if if there's ever been a time to be a part of women's soccer it's now so it's it's definitely been a really fun time to be a player all right. I want to I want to end on our perhaps most important topic, which I did warn you about. But it's it's so funny because, you know, there was this moment on Grey's Anatomy a couple weeks ago where we had an OL rain jersey. I didn't appreciate your tweet where you were like wrong jersey, but <laughs> I had to say but... that I don't <laughs> condone the wearing of the OL rain jersey, but I understand. Right. I mean, to be fair, you know, the setting, it, it is what it, when I went out to Seattle for the season, um, I, I did get to experience experience my first ferry boat. I was very much like, oh, this is my strange Derek Shepard moment. Like, I guess this is happening. Um, so I, I do want to talk to you about Grey's Anatomy. My wife is the one who got me to watch Grey's because I did not. I watched the um, Bomb Squad episode with, you know, season two, like the big one post Super Bowl live mm-hmm. and that got my college roommate hooked and i just was like okay whatever never watched it again and then my wife was like okay listen we're gonna do a show trade that's one of our, our big things we like to okay. trade shows um w- you only have to watch through when christina leaves and then you can elect to watch further if you want to but christina okay, is really fair, key fair. um and i have i don't think i've ever powered through a show the way <laughs> we powered through grayson and we are currently legitimately in the middle of a rewatch we're on season three Oh my god. It's just and we we are just sitting here yelling at my laptop. Okay, so you're rewatching. So yes. that means have you watched any of season 18? I no, but I do like I tend to just kind of absorb things through like live Twitter reactions. So I okay. have like the vaguest sense of plot lines, but because so much of the cast is new, I'm just like I don't really know what's happening. This is the same I feel way like that I like to deep dive into a rewatch. Maybe that will be my like World Cup show that I, yeah, that I deep go. dive the rewatch for. But my gosh, what a show. I don't know. I was, you know, for a long time, I was that I don't understand the hype around this show kind of person. And then I gave it a shot and I've never looked back. I am 1000% obsessed. I check Hulu like first thing in the morning on Fridays <laughs> to make sure that the show is ready and available for me to watch. And then I get really sad when I finish the episode because I'm like, I have to wait a whole week for this. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of people say they stopped watching when Christina left. They stopped watching when when um, Derek leaves. I won't say what yeah. happens if right. people haven't seen it. Right. But watch it. Uh, and it's just crazy to see all the turnover of cast over the years. And I'm still just as invested as I was like when I first started watching it. And then just to, to see that moment where she walks in, I literally like I was watching it. I think it was. So the day, I think it was the day before the game. I was okay. watching it like it was the morning and I wasn't doing anything. I was catching up and I was just like, I had to double take and then I re- re- rewinded and I was like, that is actually a jersey. And when I took the video that I put on my Twitter, she hadn't turned around yet and obviously she's wearing a Pinot jersey, which is like so iconic. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, wow, like what a moment for the NWSL and women's soccer. And this is just such an iconic show. And it was just kind of like this like really emotional moment where I'm like, am I actually getting emotional at this when I've, I've cried so many times in Grey's Anatomy, every kind of emotion has come out of me in that show. I'm like, I have no shame. I'm so obsessed. Yeah. Um, but it was just like, I need to tweet about this. I need to make sure that people know that I recognize it's not a Portland Jersey, but this needs to be out there because I hadn't seen anything else about it. And then after I tweeted about it, of course, because you know, our phones listen to us and such, I, uh, I saw a bunch of other things about it after that, but, it was just like one of these moments where I'm like, 
here we are. This is where we are. And I love how I feel about this. And this needs to happen more. And then I saw somebody tweet that because they obviously are part like sister shows with Chicago Fire or Chicago Mm -hmm. PD. And uh, because Dr. Bailey's husband is a firefighter, the the daughter was wearing it on that show too. And I was like, whoa, that's so cool. Um, So yeah, it was just this like really great moment. And then the tweet kind of blew up and I was like, wow, everyone feels the same way I do about this. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, ABC hasn't decided to be like, uh, you shouldn't post this video because that's always a super fun concern. But I do like I think what's so interesting is that, you know, we have seen these little moments where sometimes NWSL will get into a, a TV show. But there is something about I mean, again, like when I went to Seattle, I was like, oh, I'm going to go on a ferry. It's going to be my little <laughs> my little grace. Have you ever done that when you're in Seattle? You're like, oh, I got to. I gotta, I just gotta go on this ferry real quick. <laughs> no, I had the moment of like looking at the, what is the, what is the big tower called? Oh really yeah. Cool. I know what you're talking about. The, the space Everyone. needle. Yes. Space that needle. one, the space needle. That's very embarrassing that I didn't yeah. know that. Um, and you know, like when Grey's Anatomy starts and it's always like the skyline of Seattle. <laughs> and every time I go to Seattle, I look at the space needle and all I think about is Grey's. And then I'm like, I wonder where Gray Sloan Memorial Hospital is. And I want to go there. And then I'm like, Janine, this is just a TV show. But um, I really do. I would love to visit the set. I would love to, you know, if okay, any, we're gonna start if the any of you actors are listening to this, tweet me. I would love to visit you. We'll Put start me on the, the campaign show. <laughs> right now. Who is your favorite? Who is your favorite Grace character? Oh, do you have one? Cool question. Hmm. I love, obviously, he's unfortunately not on the show anymore and now i'm not going to remember his name because i'm that's what happens because there's so many characters yeah that is very fair there's a was a resident little Uh, short guy george george (laughs) he was my favorite before he leaves the show yeah um uh meredith is always top for me what an actress she is Ellen Pompeo, um, just full yes. Boston. Like, she's I am a just delight. love to see her. Like, it's just crazy. She's this is season eighteen, and she's spent like her whole life on the show, and it's like so amazing that someone would commit so much of their life to this show. Um, and obviously, not just her, a lot of them. But I love Derek um, and Doctor Montgomery. Yeah, love Addison. Love Addison Addie. is a real gem. Love yeah. Addie. Addie is an MVP. Um, yeah. So yeah, those would probably be like my top four. Okay. Um, but I, there's new residents on season 18, and I really like them. They're doing great so far. Okay, good to know. All right. So, you know, my wife was very convinced, like, I'm going to watch it to the end, and then she kind of fell away from it. So I'll be like, listen, Janine and Becky is vouching for season 18. We at least got to okay. watch it. It's yeah. worth it. Yeah, Mark Mark just made his uh return to the hospital Ooh. itself. And I I am somehow so fond of Mark who is just so stupid. <laughs> and but I'm just like you're you're so dumb and a himbo, but his friendship with Callie, which at the time I don't think was super popular, but I I just am like oh, the combination of like idiot queer woman and idiot man and they're like dumb dumb friendship dumb just besties. Like, i love it i love it it is one of it my favorite good. things about this There's show so, so I'm, I'm just about to hit that chunk and i'm so excited about it i you've you've really inspired me to go back to the beginning um i feel like i watched the first couple of seasons so fast because i wanted to get more caught up to the recent episodes that i really don't even remember a lot of what happened in the first couple of seasons i am it's like such a, a binger Shonda, i am man. she is she's a wild ride She's a wild ride. A wild ride. Have you seen how to go how to get away with murder? I have. I have. I that whew, another roller coaster of a show. I am like a avid binger. I am okay. the binger of bingers of TV shows. And every time I, I tend to every couple of months I'll tweet like what recommendations do people have for TV shows? And very rarely do get a new one because I'm like, watch that, watch that, watch that. And I'm like, what do I do with my life other than watch Netflix and Hulu? Not a lot, but I guess I've I've made it this far being a binger. So I guess it's it's yeah. done well for me. Yeah. I mean, what is funny is like my what we're very slow television watchers. We tend to do like one show at a time, but I had to do like a whole side quest because all of my friends were like, Meg, you need to watch Drive to Survive. Like you you don't oh, think yeah. you're going to care about a whole bunch of men, but you will. And now I have just so effectively dived into caring about F1 that I'm just like, okay. <laughs> How smart, by the way, for someone to whoever created that show to put it on Netflix, because I couldn't have told you a single thing about F1 before drive to survive 
And now they have like lifelong fans because of yeah. that show. Yeah. The the brains behind whoever decided that should be go that should be going on Netflix should probably and has already probably gotten a raise. Oh yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> that feels very very good. <laughs> all right, Janine. I I appreciate so much. I hope you get to just soak in all of the celebrations and also all of the naps. Um, I'm just so happy you get to nap and rest. Like I think that is. So I'm actually going to to Canada this weekend with my wife. That's our little like postseason trip. Exciting. We're going to Montreal because oh, what a city! Yeah, a couple hours away. So oh, enjoy I, that. Yeah, very excited. Um, I will. I'm sure be eating all sorts of fun things in and yeah. beaver tails and all the good things <laughs> say hello to my fellow canadians for me i will i will all right well thank you so much for the time and i'm sure we will talk again at some point before thanks for having me it's been great all right. Thank you to Janine for the time and congrats again on the win. One more thing. If you need a crash course on the U.S. men's national team, I've got the perfect show for you with my coworkers, Paul and Sam, dropping a new narrative podcast on the men's national team this week. You can listen to every single episode in your feed already. I'm going to let them tell you all about it. I'm Sam Stasekul. And I'm Paul Tenorio. We're excited to bring you from Kuva to Qatar, remaking the U.S. men's national team, a narrative podcast. We spoke to some of the biggest names in U.S. men's soccer, including past legends like Demarcus Beasley and Clint Dempsey, head coach Greg Berhalter, important players like Tyler Adams and Weston McKenney. The podcast will detail the history of the U.S. men's team, the failure of the last cycle, Christian Pulisic's role in opening the door for a new generation of American soccer players, this team's path to qualifying for Qatar, and what we should expect from the U.S. men's national team in this fall's World Cup. The show is out now. You can download it on the Athletic Soccer Show feed anywhere you download your podcasts. For all things full-time, you can visit fulltimepod.com. There are links for all the major podcast platforms in one spot, plus more information. And if, of course, you would like to subscribe to The Athletic, you know now's a good time ahead of the Men's World Cup, too. You can always support our women's soccer coverage, though, by doing that at theathletic.com slash fulltime. Again, it's always one of our very best deals. My name is Meg. You have been listening to Full Time with Meg Linehan. You can always find me on Twitter. Well, I might have to rewrite that now, but (laughs) for right now, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Meg Linehan and my work at The Athletic. Full Time, of course, does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman, who's got a very busy month ahead of him with the Men's World Cup. From The Athletic, I'm Meg. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.